So we're still, again, talking about the attitude of the giver and how that the, the gift, whatever the gift is, it's a container. Whether it's money, whether it's stuff, whether it's clothes, food, whatever it is you've determined to give. Kevin and I were talking the other day, whether it's a car, mm-hmm. right? Because we've all heard those classic, you know, well, I gave my car. Right. And well, whatever it is that you gave Mm -hmm. is a container that holds your heart. Mm -hmm. So you're either putting, Paul says, we either put flesh in our container or we put spirit in our container. If we put flesh in the container, we reap flesh, which is destruction and death. Mm -hmm. If we put spirit into the container, we reap everlasting life from the spirit of whatever that is. Does that make sense? We talked about last week, one of the things we put in there is honor. We honor God with our giving. So a big thing we put in our container is honor. Honor of God and honor of people. That's right. Does that make sense? Well, this week I want to talk about the same thing, some hearts of the giver. But in this one too, we're going to talk about in this heart of the giver is going to be some of the mechanics of New Testament giving. Does that make sense? Because yeah. there are some mechanics that are, can be applied to whatever type of gift you're giving. Does this yeah. make sense? Yeah. So they're the, the kind of the, the how-tos, mm-hmm. but that have the heart in them still. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we've been looking at the lady who gave the alabaster box to Jesus, who anointed him. So back in Mark Chapter 14, this is the second time the story appears. Last week we looked at Matthew's version. So it says in verse 3, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as Jesus sat at the table, a woman came came having an alabaster flask or box of very costly oil of spikenard. And then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. Again, we talked about the scandalousness of that type of giving, right? But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why does this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii. And again, we said last week, so the cost of her gift was one year's wage Mm -hmm. because a denarii was a day's wage. Mm -hmm. So what this, this oil would have cost this lady is whatever you make in a year, whatever your annual salary is, that'll give you the, the weightiness of the gift. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, and it should have been sold and given to the poor, and so they criticized her sharply. Now here's again, can I just hit Paul? You're going to have to get ready as you embrace what we're talking about, and you say, Lord, help me be a New Testament giver. You're going to have to be ready for sharp criticism. On one side, you're going to get it because people, well-intentioned, are going to look at you and go, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that now. Come on now. Come on, Kurt. Don't be that excessive. Right? Don't be that extra. Whoa, whoa, slow down. Slow your roll down. Does that make sense? Or, because remember, in this story, there's the lady who gave and who else? He who received. Jesus, the one who received. So remember, in every giving transaction... There's the one who gives and the one who receives. Mm -hmm. And they both get sharp criticism. So some of this wasn't just even a sharp criticism on the girl. It was kind of a sideline backhand to Jesus of, well, you should have stopped her. Yeah. We could have sold that and given it to the poor. And there you are receiving this lady. She she makes $60,000 a year. 
And there you are taking all of her $60,000. Mm-hmm. You don't need that much money. How much does a pair of sandals cost you, Jesus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on now. Can I just be just real real here with some stuff? So both sides will receive criticism. Does that make sense? You, again, I'm just going to pick on y'all. y'all. Y'all catch on to this and God talks to you and we'll go big. And somebody's inspired y'all going to give $500,000. To the church, and you come up here. See everybody's head whip around. That's so fun to see everybody's head. You know, five hundred thousand dollars. Y'all come up here with your check, right? And you're going to give your check to the church, right? And then people are going to look at me too and go, "Well, Brad, you shouldn't take that five thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars from them. Those people they need that money." <laughs> do, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. See, generosity has always been criticized in the in human history. That's where the first murder came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember Cain and Abel? Abel was generous. Abel's generous heart. Don't be deceived. I know we probably all grew up, and this is what happened is, is what well, Abel gave a sheep. That's why God liked his offering. And Cain gave vegetables, and that's why God was upset. Because God isn't a vegetarian. No, I'm just teasing. But it's, you know, <laughs> right? No, no, no. It tells you in the scriptures, it says that Abel came with his heart and gave from his best. Cain just showed up with an offering that was disconnected from his heart. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. So see, the issue in that was Abel came generous and he was killed for it. (laughs) Come on. Right? And the reason why is, is what happens when we're generous is all the stingy people start looking bad. Yeah. (laughs) Does that make sense, right? You start showing up being generous, you know, you're... You know, you're out there being Mr. and Miss Generous, Mr. and Miss Got Bucks, and you're out there, woohoo, we just blessing people. Praise God. Right? And everybody else is like, rah, 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 rah. well, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, they're not rah, 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 at you, it's really about themselves. Because their own stinginess is being showed up. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I just say that, we'll move on. Not, I'm not trying to discourage giving, I'm just trying to give you fair warnings as your pastor. We start stepping over into this stuff. We can't be surprised if people start criticizing your generosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Or on the road, because this is not just, or on the other side. Somebody walks up to you and says, God told me to give you this. And they hand you a big offering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on. We got to also be willing to say, well, what? <laughs> Why'd they give that to you? I needed some of that. I mean, this, <laughs> I mean, anyway, so they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. I love that. Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She, again, she has done a good work. And I'm going to bring this up each time. Remember, your giving is one of your good works. Remember, we talked about it weeks ago. Mm-hmm. God has prepared. You are his masterpiece. You are his poem. You are his fine work of art, and he has prepared good works for you to walk in. And here Jesus defines what one of those good works will look like. He says, your giving is a good work. Your giving from your heart is a good work. 
and God has prepared giving for you. Yes. Thank you for that one amen to my left. All right. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) God has prepared. Yes. Uh huh. Receiving too, but sometimes somebody won't have enough to pay for something, and she will just pay it. And then people come in later and be like, "Here, I want to give this." And she had told me one time this man tried to give like twenty dollars back, and she was like, "No, I don't need it." And she was telling me a story she didn't let him give it to her. And I said, "Mom, that was his, in a way, offering back to you." That's right. Paying back because he didn't have to. No. I said you. I'm not saying in a condemning way. You took his opportunity. Yeah. Away from him. Yeah. And she just looked at me, and so she was talking to me uh, the other day. She was like, you know, I started receiving when people Very good. Back. Even though she doesn't keep it, you know, but she's like, I don't want to take away their opportunity. Yeah. And I'll, I think that's a really good point of it. Is Absolutely. Is, uh, it's also, yeah, you're letting someone honor. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, and, and again, and I, I use that word honor, Curtis, that... That weightiness of when people give to you, mm-hmm. they are giving you honor. Yeah. And so not to receive their honor is dishonoring. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? You're, you're dissing their honor. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're, you're rejecting. And so we don't talk about that a lot. I mean, normally the only time we talk about that is in the church world is we talk about that about the church or the, the preacher. Right? But I want y'all to get ready for that too. Y'all need to be ready to receive as well. Amen. Yeah. No, thank you for that one amen yes. over here on this side too. I got y'all need to be ready to receive as well. Yeah. Amen. Right? And so for people to bless you, yes. to bless you either with straight gifts like what you're saying about your mom, Alicia, or other things. But remember that when people are giving, it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. It's not about the thing. It's about heart. Mm -hmm. So when I'm receiving, Mm -hmm. I'm receiving someone's heart. And be very aware of that. Be very conscious that what you are taking in is their heart. Now, let me back up on this. And that's why you have to be aware of heart. And let's back, let's talk about like, so Abraham, Mm -hmm. right? So Abraham did not one time receive so if y'all remember the story, I told this, I think, on Thursday, but it'll be real quick. So the first time tithing appears in the New Testament, right? Or not in the, in the Bible, sorry. The first time tithing appears in the Bible, it's over in Genesis. And here's the story. You know, Lot and his family are staying in Sodom and Gomorrah. And King Cheddar and his cheesy friends, that's how I tell it to my kids, because there's this Shadar king, Shadar Lemaire, or whatever his name is. He's got this real cheesy sounding name. So I would always <laughs> tell the kids when I tell the story, I said, King Cheddar and his cheesy friends conquered Sodom and Gomorrah and take everybody captive and lead them away. And the lone survivor makes it and he runs over to Abraham and says, they, they got us. They got your family. They're doing it. So Abraham turns. He's got 318 armed warring soldiers in his family. Now, again, as bad A as these guys may have been, <laughs> and these guys may have been the original 300, and they might have been all kinds of special ops, whoop up on somebody kind of people, it's still 300 dudes against five armies. Yeah. Yeah. So Abraham is like, we got to try. Yeah. It's our family. So they run over there, and God fights for them, and they beat everybody. 
wipe out these armies, get all the stuff and the people, and Abraham's coming back in the afterglow of this miracle, and he's, my imagination, he's probably thinking, oh my gosh, we should have all died. It was 318 of us and five kings and their thousands of men. Only God could have done this, and then God shows up in the man named Melchizedek and says, blessed be Abraham by God most high, maker of heaven and earth. The moment Abraham hears, I have been blessed by God, his instant response without thinking is, here's the tithe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was instant. It wasn't, he didn't, he didn't pray about it. (laughs) Come on now. He didn't go seek though. Should I, is is that, is it proper for today that I do this? No, he just said, oh my gosh. God has blessed me. He's just shown me how much he's with me. Mm-hmm. Lord, here's the tithe. Mm-hmm. Well, then next thing you know, the king of Sodom shows up and is being sneaky. So the king of Sodom shows up and says, hey, listen, you keep all the gold and the money. Just give me back the people. And Abraham saw through it and rejected his gift. So sometimes there are times you may have to reject somebody's gift. Because this is why he said that. He said to the king of Sodom, he says, I will not let anyone be able to say they have made me rich. Mm-hmm. Only God mm-hmm. has made Abraham rich. Mm-hmm. Do you see that heart? Yeah. So even when we receive, it's about that receiving of heart. And, and, and we may have to, and I think it'd be very rare. Most of the time people are given from just such a pure heart. But you might every now and then run into a king of Sodom that's trying to horn in on something. And you may have to say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I'm not going to give anyone else place to say they did something that was only God's. But most of the time people are blessing you and they're just giving unto you. And you just say, thank you very much and receive it with the same honor. Does that make sense? So anyway, back here. It says this in verse 7, chapter 14. Jesus says, for you have the poor with you always... And what does the next four words say? And whenever you wish. And whenever you wish, you can do good to them. How often can you do that? Whenever you wish. Whenever you wish. We're going to look at this, right? But me, you do not have always. And here, again, we said it a little bit yesterday. I'm going to come back and we're going to camp out for the balance of today on this whenever you wish. There are times in life there will be special opportunities to give Mm -hmm. that are only going to come around that one time. That's what you want to make sure you're ready for. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Special, this lady, there was a special opportunity that she had. She had the, the savings put aside and she was able to act when it was her moment to act. But I love what Jesus said he sets a tenor here in the Gospels about New Testament giving. Well, whenever you wish. Mm-hmm. Right? People come to me all the time as Pastor Brad, Pastor, y'all hear me say, Pastor Brad, Pastor Brad. When should I give? Well, whenever you wish. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Mm-hmm. When would you like to give? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, give then. That's right. Right? It's interesting that giving and communion are tied together. Mm. Because Paul said, whenever you do this. That's good. 
Whenever you take communion, do it unto me. Whenever you give, see, you, you are not limited. Please, that's what we're talking about, this whole thing. Your giving is not limited to Sunday morning. Your giving is not limited to the, your favorite TV preacher. Your giving is not limited to your favorite missionary. Your giving is not limited to what, whenever you wish. Does that make sense? Now, now fast forward, we go to 2 Corinthians Chapter 9. Has this been helpful at all for you guys? Has this, can I say, and be honest, right? I mean, is this inspiring in a new way to any of y'all? Like we said, by the Spirit at the end of our last time together on last Sunday, I really do believe by the Spirit of the Lord, there have been some that are here present and a number of people who are watching either through the, the live or listening on the podcast that you've given up on giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you have heard it from, from, a, from a, a flesh side. You have heard it from a wrong side. You have heard it from an incomplete, from an incomplete side. side. Right? There have been charlatans who have taken advantage. Mm-hmm. All the, I know all of the stuff. And my heart is is that we come back to real, real New Testament generosity. Mm-hmm. I went through the time while we weren't going to church, didn't have a church. Yeah. And instead of tithing to a church that I didn't know, yeah. I started giving my money to different families that I Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so good. I mean, again, yes. Oh, I got one here and one there. I see it. Yes. Yeah, Alicia, then, then Lynette. <laughs> so I did finally listen to the rest of the uh-huh. and it was really good. So I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end, when you were talking about Father Spirit, there are people, I'm definitely one of those. Like, yeah. Uh, just incomplete teaching or, you know, yeah. not on the wrong track, whatever. So it really helped me. And I feel like the Lord uh, is opening my eyes to see things differently. Amen. Both of us, you know, we're seeing things differently. It is helping tremendously. Oh, praise God. Uh, like there is revelation in this. Absolutely. And only the Spirit can show you. And I'm starting to see it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Alicia. Amen. Miss yes. Lynette. Yeah. When you were talking about people with wrong motives giving to you, yeah. I kept thinking about the story of Brother Hayden when there was three different people who wanted to do something for him and his ministry. Yeah. And the Lord specifically said, do not take that because they had ulterior That's exactly right. to control what he was doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. That, that, but I say that point of the whole thing is, is that in giving and receiving, it's about motive. Yes. It's a, and better than motive, it's about heart. Right, it's more than the the the, the object. Mm-hmm. It's more than the amount. Right, it's about heart. It, it's all in the new. Remember, we've said that before. Everything that was external in the Old Testament mm-hmm. is now internal in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So, in the Old Testament, there was it was all about amounts. You had to bring the right amount, the right critter. At the right time, on the right day, to the right person, and it had to be right. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Right. 
in, in, in the New Testament, all of that moved into your heart. Mm-hmm. And now it's about your heart. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, and giving and receiving is about the heart of the giver. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So come here. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine and chapters eight and chapters nine are the, the two chocked full chapters on New Testament giving. So here I'm going to do a little bit of pastoring for you guys that are especially that are here. Whenever you're wanting to study a theme or a topic out, we always look at what does the New Testament say mm-hmm. about that subject, mm-hmm. especially the letters. Mm-hmm. Even though I know we've been looking at the Gospels with Jesus' story, you're going to see that the Gospel story of Jesus and this woman with the flask is supported by what Paul said in his letter. But when we go to form what we call doctrine or the foundational teaching that governs our daily life, we take that teaching first and foremost through the letters. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's why when people sit there and they say, well, Brad, what do you think about tithing? I say, well, let's come and look at the New Testament and let's talk about giving. And once we define giving in the New Testament, you'll know what to do with the tithe. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Because most of our teaching as an example on tithing comes straight out of the Old Testament. Now, that's not wrong because the Old Testament is not evil or wicked or bad. (laughs) We just don't start there. Mm -hmm. We start in the New Testament and we allow the other ones to support what we see as doctrine in the New Testament. This is, guys, it's so important. More people do harm to their life Mm -hmm. because they do not live in the letters of the New Testament. We live in the letters. Let's say that out loud. Say, I live, I live in, the letters. in the letters. I live in the letters. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And again, even when we talk about Bible interpretation, even in the New Testament, I don't live in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Now, I love the Gospels. Please hear me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the Gospels are bad and we should tear them out or redact them from the Bible. But I don't live there. I live in the letters. Because all throughout the, uh, again, another principle of interpreting your Bible is that the Bible is a progressive revelation. God is progressively revealing himself throughout scripture. And as we move forward, it gets fuller and fuller and completer and completer. If that's a good word, good Alabama word. It's completer is a good word. Come on now. (laughs) Right. And until we get into the letters, and the letters now show us, okay, ta-da. this is, ta-da, That's right. here we are today, mm-hmm. live here. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right, so that's so important. So here, so let's look at this. So to start, and I don't have time to go through the whole thing, we'll bounce in and around a little bit, but I want us to start in verse 9 of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians. And I'm going to, anybody say, Brad, slow down. Slow down, Brad. Okay, good. good. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord. Let me back up. Go to verse 8. Because here in 8 and 9, Paul is talking about giving. 2 Corinthians 2.8, Paul says, I do not speak by commandment. 8.8. Eight. Eight, eight. 
So Paul is not talking about a commandment of giving. Mm -hmm. He's talking about a grace of giving. He says it all throughout this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's a grace of giving. Mm -hmm. Which one is better, a commandment or grace? Grace. Does grace leave me with no instruction on what to do? Mm -hmm. Come on, help me out. No. No. Grace actually helps me do mm-hmm. what I could never do before by commendment. Yes. Right. One of the reasons why people don't tithe is they're still living under the commandment of tithing. Mm-hmm. And as long as I treat it as a command, I will always fall short. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Does that make, come that on is now. That's a huge key right there. Because I'll be like those Pharisees, Jesus said. I'll be out in the yard counting my mint leaves. Yeah. And every tenth mint leave, I'm pulling. And I forget, as Jesus told them, I forget the heart of the tithe, yeah. grace and compassion yes. and mercy. Yeah. Right? Because I'm all about one, two, three, four. Get to tenth dollar bill. Here we go. Right? Or we've done, as we talked a little bit on Thursday, right? We turned the tithe into our insurance money. Here you you go, Godfather. Here's my 10% insurance money. Just don't don't break my legs, right? Don't don't make the car break down. Don't kick my cat, right? I mean, here's my money. Just leave me alone. That's right. Down to the penny. Down to the penny. See, <laughs> if we make it a commandment, we will live in death. Yeah. We will listen to me. I want you. Uh, this is about if you live under a commandment of yes. tithing, you will sow from the flesh, yeah. and you'll reap destruction. Mm-hmm. Does that, now Paul says in these two chapters, he calls it the grace yeah. of giving. He actually says, you have excelled in this grace, mm-hmm. right? You've excelled in the grace of salvation. Now excel in the grace of giving, he says, mm-hmm. right? So there is an empowerment. Now grace is, and I know we, and, and this is that we are a grace church, if you will, but we are not greasy grace. Right. I love, I love what brother, I actually love what brother Jim Andrews said. He taught me this. He says, son, he said, you don't actually have greasy grace. What you have is greasy law. Because you're real good to keep the ones you like, and you're real greasy to drop the ones you don't like. So you, nobody has greasy grace. We all just have greasy law. Because we keep the ones that mean something, and we kind of conveniently forget the ones like gluttony. Come on now. Because we, we want to tell people, put the beer bottle down, but you can pick the Coca-Cola bottle up. Okay, I'm going to leave that right there, and we'll move on. Does that make sense? <laughs> Right? Come on. Does yeah. that that's greasy law? Yeah. Right? But grace only empowers. Yeah. What grace does for us is it empowers us to do what we never could do under command. So good. Yeah. So good. So do we still tithe? Yes. Why? Because I've been graced to tithe. And I'm blessed. And I'm, uh, yeah. Because of grace, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, and I love, again, Pastor Tony Cook taught us those years ago. And if I'm doing anything less 
under grace than I did under law. It's actually a disgrace. Because if I was under law going down to $15.55 under the law, and now I've stepped over under grace, and I'm like, woohoo, here's my dollar. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah. Then I, I don't understand grace. Yeah. 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 Okay, come on. Okay. Yeah. I understand. That, yeah, that's fine. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, I'm, I'm, I, hey, hey, and, and, and y'all, please help me. I've talked about this for, and I don't know, help me. I, I don't think, um, help me know how to help people. When I talk about, we all have what I call gaps. That is not ever a condemnation. If there's a better way for me to say that, please help me say that. What I'm trying to say is, is all of us can read the scriptures and I can look at my life and I can go, this is where Brad is today. But I can look here and I can see something better that I'm not at yet. Right? Then I've got a gap. That, that doesn't beat me up. Does that make sense? It, it, it helps me. Was kind of, I heard an analogy. Uh, this See if this one is. I'm trying to find these now. So I heard this now. See if this works, right? So imagine if we all, all of us in this room here, we're all standing in quicksand. But it's not that quick stuff you see in the movies, right? It's that slow quicksand, right? Where you're, you're gradually sinking. So slow you don't really feel it. Mm. But we're all sinking the same way, mm. right? Well, if we're not careful, we'll look around and go, well, this is just the way life is. But if someone puts a yardstick up next to the pit where the quicksand is, and I'm over here standing in my quicksand, and I look over at the yardstick, you know, it looks like last year I shrunk an inch. <laughs> does that condemn me? Mm-mm. Or does that go, oh, I think I'm sinking. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Am I... See, that's what we're talking about. That's what the, this is the, 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 the measuring stick mm-hmm. of God's way. Mm-hmm. It never condemns us. Mm-hmm. It never smacks us on the head. It just says, son, here it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just truth. Huh? It's time to change. Mm-hmm. It's time to ask, why am I sinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Yes. Why do I feel this way? Well, like we were saying before, it, it, it helps us realize, okay, well, whatever my circumstance is, is just that. It's just my circumstance. Right. My circumstance isn't truth. Right. This is truth. Yes. Right. Again, I started a shameless plug for the pastor in your pocket. Every, I'm going to be talking more about the, this is why the word of God is important. Because the word of God is the standard, it is the measuring implement of what God says is right. Mm-hmm. Not, in the, and not in the attempt to beat us up or make us feel bad, but to show us what is. Does that make sense? Again, it's like you've heard me use that measuring tape analogy. Imagine if you tried to build your home and you never used a measuring tape. You just kind of, you just kind of said, yeah, I think that'll fit. Right? 
kind of plug. Oh, well, well, here, let me, and you're and you're just kind of smashing stuff together. Yeah, that's kind of. Can, can I just be? I'm going to pick on another area, right? Parenting is that way. Do you realize that the the standard for parenting is as well? You're doing your best. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's about as helpful as a three legged dog in a race. I mean, does that make sense? <laughs> You know, well, you, you just, you're just doing your best over there. Just doing your best. We just know you're doing your best. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> and what does that mean? <laughs> Whereas God says, no, this is what it looks like. Here's the standard. This is, this is what parenting looks like. Hey, this is what being a good husband looks like. Hey, this is what being a good employee, a good employer looks like. Hey, th- this is what being a good brother, a good sister in the Lord, this is what that looks like. Hey, th- this is what it looks like. That's not beating. Again, nobody's ever gotten mad at a tape measure. <laughs> and gone, you stupid tape measure, you make me feel bad. <laughs> right? I mean, does that make sense? I may have wanted that board to be an inch longer. I may have desired it to be different, but I never got mad at the, I mean, we jokingly said when I did construction, right, man, I I cut that thing twice and it's still too short. (laughs) Does that that help? See, see, the word of God, it's never making us feel bad. The word of God just says, this is your potential. This is what I've done. This is who you are. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is what your life is meant to be and to look like. Mm-hmm. So, so listen to me, church family. Never, 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 never lower the word of God to fit your experience. Come on. Well, I know yeah. that this might be a little bit off Yeah. So they change the standard to their interpretation. Their interpretation. That's right. That, that'd be like, I, I don't like my inch mark on the tape measure right there. I want to move the inch mark about a half an inch down. Because that, well, and here's the thing though. And, and, and here's the thing. And I say, oh, great. We've got good thinking going. Let's go through this. So, but listen to me. When it comes to Bible interpretation, there is only one. Mm-hmm. It's his interpretation. See, you, hold, I want to hold this, hold that thought. See, I'm never reading this. I'm going to pick on Kevin because he's the other pastor here, right? So Kevin comes up and Kevin says, Brad, this is what I think that verse says. Okay, awesome. I'm going to listen. But at some point in the conversation, we have to ask this question. Okay, that's what we think this verse says. Now, what did God actually say? Because it's not about what I think it says or what Kevin thinks it says. It's what did God say? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to start and say, I may not know. Yep. Or I may have been told my whole life because I went to church like a good little boy. Mm-hmm. And I heard, and again, please, and I heard very well-meaning people mm-hmm. tell me what they thought that said, because they've ever noticed that everybody, and again, I, everybody's little complaint is as well, this group of believers over here, they are famous for taking the Bible out of context. Have you ever noticed that's everybody's excuse for everybody else? Everybody else. Have you ever noticed that? That, that, that us Pentecostal people, we say that a lot about the Baptists, 
right? And the Baptists say that a lot about us and about the Presbyterians and about the, these folk. And everybody says, well, they just take that out of context. And, and you take that out of context. And they, and, okay, well, listen, well, then the context of, well, what does God say? And, and, and I want to go with what God says. And, and if my context is wrong or if what I have always been told is wrong, and I can see that this is repeatedly what God said about something, then I'm just going to go with him. Even if I've never heard that ever before in my life, but I can look in scripture and go, oh yeah, repeatedly I can see God talking about this, then I go with his thoughts about this. Yeah. Now again, I like what... Kurt said a little while earlier. Now listen, it takes some effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that mean? I mean, that's why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, he says, Timothy, be diligent to show that you are approved unto God. Mm-hmm. You are a workman that does not need to be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Then you'll be rightly dividing the word of truth. Does that make sense? Now, how many of you have ever, you've heard the King James version of that? It says, study to show yourself approved. Yeah. Now, the great, but the, the concept of that word study is better defined the word be diligent. Because, mm-hmm. see, I grew up hearing that verse going, well, Brad, you better study a lot, buddy. Mm-hmm. You got to know them verses. You got to know them verses. Mm-hmm. You got to study. Because when you study, then you'll not be a workman that's going to be ashamed. And when I finally realized, no, no, he's saying, Brad, listen, you study, you are diligent to show yourself that you have been approved by God. My study does not make me approved by God. That's works. Because I can't study the Bible enough to ever get approved. Mm-hmm. I could memorize the whole book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do y'all see this yes. as an analogy? Does that make yeah. sense? So we had some questions. Somebody popped up a hand. Kevin had a hand up. So- Mm-hmm. Um, about the tithe that we only seen Abraham did once, and you said, "Well, it wasn't like they explained it. He yeah. knew what it was." Yeah, he knew instantly. So I've heard teachings say, "Well, he only gave once that we know of," but it had to have been a common thing for him. It wasn't yes. all of a sudden one time. Absolutely. So, asking questions to other people, even though I know the scripture, yeah, I've read it, but when you brought it out, it's that group. Yeah. Absolutely. No, we can't share together. I'm not picking on anybody. But, 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 but what I say is, is what Kurt was saying is, is many people say, well, this is how I interpret that verse. Okay. I don't care how you interpret that verse. I want to know what did God say? Yeah. Right. And even because, again, my, my opinion about this is, well, okay, that's awesome. It doesn't mean anything if it's different than what God actually said. See, some of our biggest dangers are, is, is that, that we begin to study the Bible to fit our experience. And listen to me, I, I, with all my heart, listen, listen, listen. Never, never, never let your experience be the grounds of truth in your life. This, this word, this book, and the spirit of this book is the ground of truth. Mm-hmm. 
Does that make sense? See, guys, that's, that's faith. Because then when I come to truth and I look up and I see my experience, right? They may be two different things. Y'all, we all love to quote Peter, right? It says, resist the devil, right? And he will flee. Y'all remember, y'all love, everybody loves the spiritual Pentecostals. We love throwing around that verse. Well, you know that verse, that's the second half of the verse. Mm-hmm. Oh. First half of the verse says, humble yourself unto God, then resist the devil and he will flee from you. So in that one verse, Peter says, hey, listen, in life, you're going to need to know what to humble yourself to and what to resist. Because yes. there's going to be two categories of things in your life. Some things you just need to humble yourself to. And then some things you have to know, I resist that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because yeah. some people get that all crossways. Right? See, it's humbling to sit there and say, man, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's humbling. Yes. Why? Because if you're like me, there's times I don't feel very righteous. Mm-hmm. That's right. But I still have to say, but I would be fighting God mm-hmm. to say something different. Mm-hmm. I would be arguing with him. Now, again, we were talking earlier before our gathering time together, we were talking about healing. That's the same. It's humbling to have to say, I am health. I am healed. Well, Brad, you look pretty darn sick. Okay, well, I might feel terrible. (laughs) I might be experiencing symptoms that are contrary to truth, truth, but I'm going to humble myself in that if God said something about me, then who am I fighting to say something different about me? So I'm going to humble myself to God and say I am health and I am going to resist the devil who is trying to put something on me. Mm-hmm. But if I think, and again, I know this is, but if I think this sickness is somehow coming from God mm-hmm. in some way, form, or fashion, either he wanted me to have it or he's somehow passively permitting me to have it. Mm-hmm. I will not humble myself to truth and say I am healed and I will not resist the devil. And I love what Brother Andrew always says, because if that's the truth, if this is somehow coming from God, then do not take the aspirin when the migraine comes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if somehow God is wanting me to experience this to somehow teach me something, then even taking medication would be fighting God. Does that make... Is that... Am I... Yes. Does that make sense? If, it, if, if, I, and if I cross the line and say God wanted me, it's his will that I have this, then I just need to stay sick yeah. and say, Lord, double it up. <laughs> Come on now. I think we just confuse ourselves because we, we, we do these illogical circles, circles, right? Because of poor teaching or mm-hmm. what we've heard or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I think what happens, Selena, is, is that this is, is okay. We're not saying that we deny what's going on. I just want to sit there and say, okay, if I'm fighting an illness, whatever that illness may be, forever how long I may have the illness. That's just the illness. That illness is not telling me who I am. Yes. 
That illness is, is not at all, it, it, the illness is just the illness. That's all it is. It's the circumstance, or again, we're talking about money these days. If I'm struggling in some way financially, okay, well, my financial struggle is just that. It's just my financial struggle. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's something I am resisting. Mm -hmm. It's something that I'm fighting against to change. Mm -hmm. I'm going to God, and, and like we said before, and I'm seeking Him for what He has already done, and I'm seeking Him for the wisdom to overcome what is happening in the natural. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But I do not take identity from my circumstance. I do not take purpose from my circumstance. Oh, so Come on now. Yeah. I do not take a purpose from it. My circumstance is just, I love what Dusty used to say, it's just what's happening today. That's all it is. It's happenstance. It's just happenstance. It's, it's just what's happening right now. That's all this is. Well, what is that sickness? It's just what's happening right now. Well, what's that financial problem? It's just what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away its power over my identity. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to take away its myself. power over my purpose. Yes. Because this book tells me my identity and this book gives me my purpose. Yeah. And, I will, and, it, and again, and, it, and if I die from a sickness, I will die believing. <laughs> and I will tell all of y'all again. I'm say, I'm gonna say one, two, one, two things is gonna happen. One day, Brad Holman's gonna die. Right? I'm gonna borrow from my spiritual father, Brother Hagen. If you ever hear that I'm dead, I want you to know I just got satisfied. Amen. Right? If you hear I died from a sickness, I just want you to know I died fighting. Amen. Yeah. And I just lost the fight. And that thing won for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't some mystical, magical purpose. I want you to know with my living breath and with my dying breath, I would have died fighting and declaring mm -hmm. and preaching the truth that I know from God in the scripture. Does that make sense? Amen. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I want you all to say, if that ever happened and you all come to my funeral and, and Brad succumbed to some disease... I want y'all to stand up and I don't want a soul alive that knows me to declare anything. Well, God must have had a plan. No, Brad died mm -hmm. from that disease. That's what happened. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, why didn't Brad get healed? We don't know. It happens. Mm -hmm. Right. But what I know is Brad, when I knew him, Brad told us what the scripture said and Brad died believing Or whatever happened, right? I, yeah, does that make sense? And I don't want to get off on that. But anyway, so let's go back here. Man, how am I doing? I'm thinking about Josh. Man, wants to go to bed. Trying to be a good man. That man comes to work here after work. So, so let's, let's kind of land the plane here and we'll pick up in here in, in, in this next week. Paul says, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Verse 9, now listen, here is the redemptive part of, of your money side and your giving side. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. yeah. For we know, for you know, everybody say, so I know. I know. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for he sake, your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. 
So in that one verse, Paul tells us of the redemptive nature of prosperity. Now, and I'm going to pop bubbles. He was not talking about spiritual prosperity. Because that's where everybody goes, well, no, Jesus was, he was spiritually rich. He was spiritually, he was spiritual, Brad. It was <laughs> spiritually. No, 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 no. Jesus, because yeah, Jesus was rich. In this earth, in this life, Jesus was rich. Well, Brad, Brad, the word never says that. Well, it never says it in those particular words. It never says in verse whatever, Jesus was rich. Except in this verse, it says he was rich. <laughs> right? And it means what it says. And it means, if you look at the word, it means rich. Now, here, how do we know Jesus was rich? You remember when Jesus was born? Yeah. All those men showed up. Right? And again, we call them the three kings, but there wasn't three. We say there were three kings because they identified three gifts. So a whole boatload of people came from a faraway country, traveled for two years. Does that make sense? No. And we know that by scripture. They traveled two years mm -hmm. to get to Jesus as a little two-year-old toddler, and they laid down all this wealth at Jesus' feet. Mm -hmm. Jesus started off life rich. Mm -hmm. That money toted his family to Egypt and kept them alive in a foreign land. Brought them back to Israel, help them reestablish their life in their homeland, and most likely was the seed of what started Jesus' ministry later when he was 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So, on that side, Jesus started off well off. Mm -hmm. Right? Jesus apparently had enough money that Judas could steal and nobody noticed. Because exactly. it, it could. Just logical, because if Jesus had $4 to his name and Judas took one, or even if Jesus took a quarter, like a quarter. If Judas took a quarter. Yeah, like one quarter, somebody would go, well, we got $4.75. Judas, what happened that quarter? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. So Jesus, Judas apparently, apparently by the story we've been reading these whole two weeks, they were used to handling large transactions because that's where their brain went. We should have sold that flask to our pawnbroker friend over here. Got the $60,000 for it so we could go feed the poor. Apparently, they toted around enough money in the woods that when the 5,000 needed to be fed and Jesus turns to Philip and says, feed them, and Philip goes, Judas, how much money in the bag? Philip turned around and said, if we cashed out all 200 denarii that we got on us, that still wouldn't be enough to feed these people. Y'all see this? These little hints along the way? Apparently, Jesus wore clothes nice enough that when he was dying, they would not cut it up because it was just too schmick. Right? When was the last time you played five star or five stud poker for a Walmart shirt? <laughs> <laughs> right? Nobody was doing Texas Hold'em for Jesus's rag. Jesus had a garment that was not enough that the soldier said, we about to play some craps over here, boys. Fold that up real nice. I want it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And they started rolling dice because Jesus's stuff was so nice. So all throughout Jesus in this life lived richly and well. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Now here, caveat before ever, and apparently it didn't affect his holiness. His anointing. His anointing. His purpose. His humility. It didn't make him arrogant. It didn't make him snarky. It didn't make him look down on people. It didn't make him change how he behaved. So apparently we too then can be prosperous and it not mess us up. That's one of the root fears of success. Is that this is, is that this is going to change me? <laughs> this is going to. That's yeah. what you talk to people, and that's you listen to me. Mm-hmm. We we talk to middle class and lower income people, and that is one of their number one complaints. I don't want to be wealthy because I don't want to be perceived as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to drop that one there too. Does that make sense? But here in this one verse. Paul says, for you know, we know that through the grace of our Lord Jesus, that even though Jesus was poor, yet for whose sake was rich? rich. Even though Jesus was rich, for for your sake, he became became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Amen. So there was an exchange that happened on the cross. Do y'all see these exchanges? In, in later or earlier in this same book, at the end of chapter 5, Paul says this. He says, he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though the Lord were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 4, verse 21, for he made him, so God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So guys, I don't know if I've ever said this before and I haven't, I apologize in these years, but do you know that there was a great exchange that happened on the cross? That the cross was a place of exchange. So on the cross, Jesus became your sin so that you could become his righteousness. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 53 that on the cross, Jesus became your sickness Mm -hmm. so that you could become his health. Mm. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. Right? He bore your sickness on his body Mm -hmm. and carried it for you. Mm -hmm. That was an exchange. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And here Paul says, and on that same cross, he became your poverty so that you could become his richness. Mm -hmm. Amen. Do you see? These are the things, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Jesus exchanged things for us on the cross. Amen. Now, now here in Willamette, you ever wondered why those three things? Can I just ask you a a series of questions? Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt unsaved? Yes. Have you ever felt unrighteous? Yes. Have you, here you go. Now y'all can do this one in your head. Have you, have you made any sins recently? <laughs> have you, have, have you, uh, have, have you done anything? We're almost done, Savannah. Have, have, have you, does that make sense? Do you understand that Jesus did this exchange because there would be times in your life you would return and say, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the righteousness you gave me because today I may not actually be living very right. I may not actually be feeling very right, but thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Now, how many of you would agree with that theology? Yeah. That, that any time mm-hmm. we, we do a sin, we make a mistake, we feel unrighteous, what do we do? We go back to what Jesus did. Yes. Would we agree with that? Yes. So why do you think he did that for healing? Because when we... Because how many of you ever been sick in this last year? Yeah. How about last week? Mm. How about maybe today? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, just yesterday, Alicia was feeling bad, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how, and we all have. Yeah. I mean, there's times where sickness can come. Mm-hmm. Things can happen. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I'll pick on Kevin again. We, if something happens to our leg, we can get around for a little while. Right? Things happen, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you think we do when sickness happens? Thank you, Lord. You say, thank you for what you did there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like when I sin, I go, thank you mm-hmm. for what you did there. We return, if you will, to the cross. We return to the table. And we say, thank you for what you did. Thank you. Because yeah. yes. today I'm feeling sick. Mm-hmm. Thank you for what you did. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? What do you do if you're going through financial struggle? You return to the... And you say, thank you for taking my poverty. Thank you for giving me your richness. Thank you because the same body and blood that forgave me, the same body and blood that healed me is the same body and blood that provides... For me. Amen. What do we do when they take our job away? We go to the table. Yep. What do you do when global pandemics happen and things get, we go to the table? What do you do when the surprise bill shows up in the mail? We go to the table. Right? What do you do when you look up and go, God, I'm sorry, I got in debt all over again. Right? Ran that credit card up one more time. What do we, you, we, we go to the table. What, what do you do when in your business something busts and you weren't expecting it and they walk up and go, well, that's going to be X amount. I go, do y'all see? Yes. Do y'all see this pattern? Yes. Do you see how God has already done these things? Yes. yes. Amen. So good. That's so, when, when were you forgiven? When he died 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. When were you healed? When he died. When were you made prosperous? When he died. When we did that big exchange. When that exchange. So do you see? Does that mean we'll never, ever, 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 ever have any kind of problems ever again? Does this some kind of magic pill and wand and potion and bring? And life is all full of buttercups and butterflies and roses and unicorns. And we just go... Th- Right, and we just go through life, and I never have problems, and I never have problems. Somebody telling a lie. I agree with you as always. No, that doesn't mean, but listen to me. How much did he love us that he answered every problem? And for us that were here, before we were ever born. Because all of our sins were post-cross. I don't know about you. All of my sick. <laughs> All of my sickness was post-crossed. I don't know about you. All of my financial woes are post-crossed. 
So in his love and his mercy and his grace and his compassion, long before I was born, he forgave me, he healed me, and he prospered me. Do y'all see that? And I go and I take in that same, that exchange that happens. Yeah. And that is the foundation. And, yeah. and, and listen to me. And this is right in the middle of the teaching on giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know why most people, they stop giving? It's because they forgot about their salvation. Amen. Mm-hmm. They're trying to earn it. They're trying to earn it. Does that make sense? Yes. Just why most just why most people that, that they that they give up. Does that make do you yes. do you see the same? We all know how many of you know people who gave up on forgiveness? Yep. I, I know people. I genuinely know people who yeah. they've just given up. Well, I'm just giving up on that. Oops. I've done whatever I'm and so I, I don't come anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? I know I know many people who've given up on healing. I mean, there was a season that was Selena and I. Mm-hmm. We just gave up. We, mm-hmm. I just because I just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so we ended up throwing our camp into. Well, we'll take this vitamin or we'll do this. Yep. And we had to come back around and go. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I gave up on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I know many people they've given up. And guess what? To be again, we started this in Galatians chapter six. That's why Paul said, "Don't grow weary." weary. In, in doing good. Yeah. And the good he was talking about was giving. Because yeah. he said, now why would Paul say don't grow weary? Maybe because. Maybe because <laughs> there might be times when tempted I'm tempted to say this giving stuff just don't work. Yeah. This, this giving thing, why am I giving? Mm-hmm. I give and I give and it looks like I'm going backwards. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I get. No, 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 no. What we do in any time when it's like we want to give up on salvation, mm-hmm. we return back mm-hmm. to the cross and we go, what did he do? Oh, this is what he did. That's why we do this every week. Is to bring us back to the remembrance, to bring us back to the table, to bring us back to remind ourselves to go, okay, God, this is what you did. This is what grace has provided. And from this place, from the table, from the cross, I live my life. Amen. 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 So, Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for your spirit and your anointing um, that are on us for this. Lord, I pray for all of those who are here, all those who are listening, those who are watching. Father, Lord God, um, yeah, just that we would hear your hope. That we would hear your expectation. Or that we would hear your empowerment and your ability. Lord, that we would hear the fight. Mm. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm just going to borrow from Kevin. I love what Kevin... We, we would pick up our sword again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we do that The right sword now? of... Yes. The sword of generosity. So when we, mm. when we just drop things because we, you know, gave up on it, um, let's just go ahead. And even if maybe we haven't dropped it, but maybe we've loosened our grip on it, or maybe we've just gotten tired and put the, the sword point down, so to speak, to follow this imagery. So if you'll just with me in your, in your heart, just take another mm. good look at that sword. Amen.
take another good look at that sword. And what that means is that you're, you're putting your eyes on it. You're going to observe it. You're going yes. to examine it again. Yes. yes. With like childlike faith. Yes. When you put a sword in a kid's hand, it's on. They start, they start <laughs> actually fighting. Amen. Actually playing with it. Actually, you know, um, thrusting the sword and, and winging it around their, their head and all this other stuff. Mm. And then they try to get fancy with it. So just go back to childlike faith and look at the sword. And so do that right now with me. Look at that sword again. Amen. Look at all the jewels that are studded into it. Look at the fine craftsmanship because it's something God has made for us. It's something that fits perfectly into your hand. It's not ill-fitting for you. Amen. It actually fits perfectly into your hand. It's perfectly Amen. balanced. It's not too heavy for you. Amen. It's perfectly balanced. And it's just time to pick it up again with renewed purpose, with a renewed grip on it. Um, not one from fear, but one from uh, experimenting yes. adventurously yes. with it. Playfully, amen. Playfully with it. And so just do that right now in your heart and in your mind's eye with your, your imagination. Mm. And just start like a kid, and you've seen it in movies and all of that, but just like a kid, pick it up and just start, start pairing with it. Start um, sparring with it. You know, you may not have an opponent right now, but, but usually you need to kind of play with it a little bit before you have an opponent. Mm-hmm. And so let's just, let's just do that. And this week, every time we wake up, just remember to, to pick up your sword. Yeah. To pick up your sword again. Amen. And especially the sword, the sword of generosity, mm-hmm. the sword of giving mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, today, whatever we've all purposed and determined to give and to do, mm-hmm. Lord, we give it willingly from our whole heart today. Lord, as Selena and I gave the other day when we got paid on Friday, Lord, we just, just bless the opportunity to just give and to be generous. And, Lord, I ask for the Holomans and for everyone else, Lord, just more opportunity beyond even this place. More chance to give, more leadings and nudges to be generous in Jesus' name. Amen.